another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. Want to do a quick episode. Uh, but first, quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. If you haven't checked out Manscaped, please do. They are the premium male hygiene grooming products. They've got shavers. They've got deodorant for downstairs. They've got boxers. They've got all sorts of great trimmers. Can't express how awesome they are. I uh, just started actually checking them out and testing them out. I should have a review coming soon on either the OCR Report or OCR Buddy. Not sure who I'm publishing through, but uh, I'll dive deeper into that. But they are a great product. We've got a code for you guys. It's called it's Ultra OCR. Again, that's Ultra OCR. And that gives you, I believe, 15 or 20% off plus free shipping. You can head over and check out manscaped.com. Again, that code is Ultra OCR. And you can head over and use that at manscaped.com. Also, want to give a quick, quick shout out to some other podcast sponsors, Yolked. I've talked about them before. Use code STRENGTH20 to save 20% on every order from Yoked. And new, The Feed. The Feed is a supplement, essentially distributor. They've got all the great stuff from all your favorite brands, including Hammer Nutrition. So huge fan of them. I'm going to drop a link in the show notes below. Please click on that to go through The Feed and shop around. The cool thing is, you can, again, you can buy from multiple different brands simultaneously. You don't have to go to this website and then that website and then the other website. Thefeed.com. Do all of your shopping there. Get it all done. They were a huge sponsor of the Tour de France for several years. They may still sponsor them. I haven't watched the Tour de France in a hot minute. But they are what the athletes were getting kind of on course. Just a mix of great products. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Again, I'm Strength and Speed owner and Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro for Paris. I get on a plane in less than 24 hours to head to Al Ula, Saudi Arabia for the biggest prize person OCR history for the eight hour Tough Mudder Infinity event. So before I wanted to before I get on the plane, I wanted to share some thoughts, some predictions, some concerns people were having, a little bit about my journey. So just gonna quick knock this out this quick episode, just me today. Don't have a guest. Alright, first off, why did I wait till last minute to announce that I was going? Uh, the army in order to get approval to go overseas, especially some Middle Eastern countries uh, you need special approvals, and the amount of paperwork I had to do, and hoops I had to jump through to get that approved, and I had to submit it twice. Lots of long story, lots of dragging the feet. It eventually got approved. It was pretty late in the game. Luckily, I've been working with some great brands over the years, and they helped me uh, cover a lot of the cost to getting there and competing and racing over in Saudi Arabia. So before we go any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the people at Tough Mudder, the people at Tough Mudder Arabia and Cab Sports, C-A-B Sports. They're like the event hosting company that's putting on specifically Stephanie and Nick, who uh, helps kind of make things happen behind the scenes. So I wouldn't be going out over there without their support. So huge shout out to them. Also, Matt Davis, Matt B. Davis from the Obstacle Racing Media podcast and Obstacle Racing Media. He's been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes athlete liaison work between a lot of the organizers of the event and actually athletes, so shout-out to him too as well. For those of you who are looking for in-race coverage, right, you want to follow the race as it's happening, see the updates, Obstacle Racing Media is going to be your best bet for that. Hands down, they've got the most kind of number of people on the ground who are not racing, so they will actually be covering and producing content from the race as it's happening. Historically, I don't produce that much content for Obstacle Racing Media, although I have done some of it in the past. I usually work with OCR Buddy or the OCR Report, so I am going to produce some content for them pre- and post-race. So if you want to see what the travel experience is like, you know, jumping planes and all the 
Middle Eastern culture on my way to an, to the Saudi Arabia race. I'm going to publish that on Ultra OCR Man, my Instagram channel, and then also some of that through OCR Buddy. Once I physically get to the race venue, I'll do some interviews on the ground with some of the athletes, some of my friends, maybe some people I've never met before, some famous people. I mean, OCR famous. I'll use, I'm using air quotes, right? We have some famous people, but I feel like just the OCR people care about who they are. So I'm going to do some interviews with them. I'm going to push that through the OCR report. So you'll be able to find that in their stories, on their main page, and on their reels. So lots of different brands kind of working together for this. Again, with the prize purse being so huge, we want to get this event out there to as many eyes as possible. So I'm all about working across multiple brands to make sure this event gets a lot of exposure and hopefully it gives that big enough demand signal where next year Saudi Arabia and Tough Mudder Arabia are like, yeah, let's definitely do this again. This was huge. It was a great exposure, a massive event, landmark moment in sports. Let's do it again next year. I think a lot of Americans, when they look at the race, they're like, well, how is this going to make any money? You look at the prize purse that's being given away, which is first place for each gender. This is for each gender, $80,000. Second place, $32,000. Third place, $16,000. And then it continues to drop, $7,500, 5000 $4,000, $3,000, $2,500, $2,500, $1,500 for a top 10 placement. Then there's also a fastest lap per gender with a $5,000 prize purse. Plus, they're playing out three deep in the four-man and two-man categories that split between right two people. So first place, 20,000 divided by two. Second place, uh, 8,000 divided by two. Third place, 4,000 divided by two. And then for the four-person team, first place, 40,000 divided by four. Second place, 16,000 again divided by four. And then third place, 8,000 divided by four. So, I mean, the prizes are just... And it's just ast it's astronomical. It, it, it is insane. So the first thing to note about that fastest lap price is that's a $5,000 payout. That's better than most OCRs that I can think of for payouts. So that first lap is going to be absurd. Get ready for it. People are going to go out so hot. It is going to be insane trying to win that $5,000 prize purse. And I mean, realistically, there's a bunch of people, not me, I'm not that fast, who will show up and just try to burn it down for those first couple of miles, right? Just to get that $5,000 prize purse and then basically give up at that point, right? Because that's a much easier payday than racing for eight hours, right? Putting out a hard, you know, less than probably 30 minutes of work if the, at the pace some of these guys are going to be running. You know, so what are we going to see? We're going to see the first lap super, super fast. I mean, unbelievably fast. And then after that, just like most endurance races, people will start settling into their pace. But again, with the prizes being so big, Again, people are going to be pushing it. They're going to be pushing it to the to the red line throughout the whole race. You know, so who's going to win? I mean, we have to give initial credit to Ryan Atkins. The man has never lost a race that is eight hours or longer. He's never lost an ultra OCR, right? I'm ultra OCR man, but he is by far the king of ultra OCR. Right? He's undefeated since 2013. That is a decade of ultra OCR racing without losing. And that's not winning like the little small race too, right? He's going to the World Championships, Spartan 24-hour ultra, World Toughest Motor multiple times. You know, he puts it down. The eight-hour races when they were on CBS, he was at all those. And then the eight-hour racers uh, the year after when they weren't on CBS. So there, some of them, like our World Toughest was on CBS that year. But again, has not lost. So you have to at least, you have to put him in there. 
if not first. Uh, he has not been racing that much OCR, but he has been doing a lot of other training. And I, I don't, for an eight-hour race, he's not gonna. I don't think he he he's lost that much. Just my two cents. And again, this is just Evan's opinion. I'm I I like Ryan a lot. So, uh, but yeah, where I think we get into trouble is eight hours. I don't think is long enough for Ryan Atkins. It's not long enough for me either. So you will not see me in the top five. If I manage to somehow squeeze into the top 10, that would be, honestly, it would be a miracle. Uh, maybe everyone else blows up, who knows. But I'm, I'm kind of expecting myself significantly lower, probably closer to the uh, high teens. Just my prediction. I could be wrong. I'm obviously going to go out there and push it as hard as I can and see what, what I can come up with. But uh, historically for me, eight hours is a little on the short side. I, I always tend to do better. 12 hours like my sweet spot. Um, so a couple more hours, I'd be, I think I'd be a little more competitive. And then 24 hours, again, for me personally, is a little bit too long. I tend to slow down uh, compared to some of my peers at the 24-hour range. But 12 hours is my sweet spot. Enough about me, though. Let's talk about some of the other athletes that are gone, right? So Ryan Atkins, obviously, got to give him credit. Jonathan Albin, right? I mean, I don't know. I've lost count the number of OCR World Championships events he's won. So he's obviously going to be up there. And I think with this only being eight hours, I think it could play to his advantage over um, over Ryan, perhaps. You know, and then we, we look at the list of other uh, male athletes. I'm going to primarily focus on the males uh, for now. You look at the other uh, male athletes that are going. You know, Mark Botras, previous World's Toughest Mudder winner. DJ Fox, previous World's Toughest Mudder winner. Um, Austin Azar. And a lot of names we haven't seen in a while at, at the kind of the endurance toughest event. Sean Stevens Whale, Andrew Losh, another uh, up and comer. Joshua Reed, I feel like we haven't seen him in a hot minute over at the, the toughest events. Anthony Crunkle. So if you remember in 2022 Alabama World's Toughest, Anthony went out faster than I think I'd ever seen anyone go out. He was burning it down. And I think he's going to go out there and set a blistering pace. I don't know if he'll win that $5,000 prize purse. I think he'll. I think he'll come close, if not win that that fastest lap. And then I think he's going to push the pace until people start blowing up. Um, so I, my, my money would be on him at an early lead in the race. I think Ryan Atkins will be a little bit further back in the race. And I think uh, John Album will be between the two of them. And I'm just speaking off people I know, right? I know there's a lot more people. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but from Australia, uh, Lachlan, Lachlan, I don't you know. Danzy, he's the guy who won Tough or Australia, uh, true good, true good Australia. The 24-hour race, he won it multiple times. He won it the year I went out there in 2017. So I'm sure he's going to be competitive as well. And then this prize purse is so ridiculously large, it's going to attract guys who are just pure runners. They're just going to be pure runners out there. Tough Mudder is not known for the most technical obstacles, and usually the penalties are not super bad. So you could be a pure runner, I think, and you could show up. And if you are elite, you know, top tier ultra runner, I think you'll go, you'll show up and you will put down a blistering pace. You will put down some significant times and some significant mileage. So kind of rounding out some of my predictions, I think we'll know again for the average OCR person who's like in the sport and knows OCR people. I think we'll know about fifty percent of the names in the top ten. That's just kind of my prediction. You know, I think we're used to seeing all Americans and Canadians at world's toughest in the top 10, because it's prime. It's only been held in America. 
So we get a lot of American athletes. You only get a couple of like foreigners who are willing to make the trip over. You know, but for this, we're getting all sorts of Europeans. We're getting Middle Easterners. We're getting, you know, people from all over the world, basically. So again, I don't, I don't think we'll recognize half of the, the names of the males in the top five. On the female side, I'm not going to speak too deeply on that, honestly, because as a male and as a competitive athlete, I tend to pay attention to my own competition. I pay less attention to the females. But Chris Rogalowski going, Katie Knight, Lindsay Webster. So that's going to be, uh, I mean, and that's just the names I know off the top of my head. Those are, it's going to be a fast field for the ladies as well. I think you'll see less women we know in the top 10 as compared to the males. I think there'll be, you'll get some European OCR athletes maybe that we recognize, but again, probably won't know, you know, 50% of them. Um, and for the people who are only focused on American OCR, I think you'll know, you know, a couple in the top 10, maybe a third of the people in the top 10. Either way, I'm excited. Again, I've, I don't really have a huge expectations for myself personally. I'm 41. I have, I've started to slow down a little bit. I can still throw down most of the times, but you know, it's uh, a lot of these younger kids are coming out fast and I, I feel like I need, I need all the time I can to, to keep up. But there's also teams of two and teams of four going out there. Honestly, the teams of two, I don't recognize a lot of the names. Uh, Tyler Veerman, I recognize his name, obviously. Uh, Chris Brown, they've got a team. So I guess my money's on them. Not sure. And a lot of the other names I don't recognize. Again, I think they're going to be some just some fast Europeans that show up, and they just show up there, and they are, they are just putting out an insane pace. Uh, teams of four, so Obstacle Racing Media only has five teams of four listed. I'm not just sure. If, I'm not sure if these are the elite competitors or if this is everyone that's competing but if there's only five teams of four that's pretty good pretty good uh, odds of winning money at that point for the winning team i mean you got to go with i think vj and uh, leon leon's team are are gonna win i'm not sure about all the guys on his team but i know vj jones is not gonna show up with a team of like mediocre or even like he's not gonna show up without the best people on his team i'll just say that and at eight hours, even if they're not endurance guys, again, I'm not sure on all these guys' resumes, even if they're not endurance guys, most people who are high-level athletes can fake it for eight hours because they're running one lap, but they're taking a break. They're running a lap, taking a break. The only time they have to run essentially two laps in a row is the first two laps and the last two laps. Again, and it depends on the order of things and how you know who's going when. So you essentially... You need you need someone to blow up really bad uh, to lose that lead, but I don't think they will. I think they'll have too much of a, a head start on people. I know Four Locos again. That's another team. Uh, Jake Ramsey's team uh, that we've talked to. I've had on my podcast before. Uh, they usually do really well, but again, they are not. You know, they don't have 100% of their normal guys. Uh, so we'll see. I think there'll be a surprise team in there, like the uh, again I don't recognize these names, but the European Elite team. I bet you they come you know, probably in second. And that likely puts uh, four locos in third or fourth. We'll, we'll see. But hey, it's ultra endurance. So anything can happen. And again, if you have one dude that just blows up really bad or gets significantly injured, well, there goes your team's race. Speaking of teams, I wanted to comment on a lot of the names. So if you listen to this and you're an athlete who races a lot of these like big events, you need to buy my book, The Sponsored Athlete. And I, you're like, oh, Levin, you're just saying this because it's your book. 
No, like, I'm looking at these team names, and as far as I can tell, none of them are named after a brand. Listen, I'm I'm largely going to step away from Elite OCR in the next couple of years. The best perks I ever got for any races was representing a brand at a world championship event. I mean, I'm talking, I showed up, I've showed up to World's Toughest Motor and started the race with more money in my pocket than the everyone but the winner of the race, the individual winner of the race, right? So for those of you who are looking, especially the elite side, right, that are looking to cut costs, or even even like you know, the average person who's showing up with a competitive team, right? Let's say the average competitive OCR person. So maybe not like, you're not going out there winning races every weekend, but you know, you can put out a decent time and, you know, at, at a good, at a good race, you know, maybe you and your team can squeeze onto the podium. Pick up my book, The Sponsored Athlete, find a company, name the team after the company and have them comp some of your fees, whether that be entry or travel or even just product, right? Just product that allows you to race for a cheaper cost. And every time I see teams at World's Toughest Motor, I see teams at Spartan World Championship when they do the, like the team events, or when I see teams at something like this, right, the largest cash prize purse in OCR history, and teams aren't named after my after brands, I'm like, what are you guys doing? You're literally losing out on money. You're, you're just losing money. So for those of you who are looking to take this more into a more serious realm, one, buy the book, and two, reach out to companies, man. Reach them out. Get someone to cover some of your costs. This is an anomaly. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully this is the start of something great. But this is an anomaly, over the, especially over the last couple of years. We haven't had these huge prize purses in the last couple of years. So take advantage of you know everything we can get uh, while, a, while the fire is still hot, both in, in perks, prize money, whatever else you can get, follow-up sponsorships, right? If you're one of the teams who goes out there or one of the individuals that goes out there and does well, right, you, you just – finish top 10. If you finish in the money at this race, you need to be getting out and reaching out to sponsors being like, here's the race I just finished uh, in the top 10 at. Here's how much I made. Please support me. I, I am a high level athlete. I'm capable of doing great things. And you know, this goes out for anyone. I do think the sponsor perks are big enough for the entire uh, elite OCR crowd. Like I don't think I don't think if someone else gets a sponsor, it takes away from my piece of the pie or really any of the other athletes' piece of the pie. In certain brands, yes, right, if you're both applying to the same brand. But there's so many companies out there that are looking to get rid of their, their product in front of people's eyes. You know, you may reach out to a company already aligned with OCR, but you may, a lot of times I have better success reading out to, reaching out to companies who are not in the OCR industry that want to get in and you can be like, hey, I can help you get into this market. It's full of athletes who are obviously willing to spend money, care about performance, care about looks, look at all the social media posts, blah, 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 blah. Get your foot in the door. Usually recommend starting off with a product sponsorship over money because product, it's a lot easier to get continuing and then a lot easier to show your benefit. And I think companies are more willing to accept that um, because it's part of their seeding the field with their product versus monetary is like a direct loss for them. So I always recommend trying to go for a product sponsorship first. And if you show value big enough, then you can move on to the monetary sponsorships. All right. Final thoughts about like travel over to Saudi Arabia. So I've never been to Saudi Arabia. I've been to other Middle Eastern countries, Iraq, Kuwait, Qatar, Lebanon, UAE, Jordan. I think that's all of them, maybe. 
here's my experiences when I travel to the Middle East. A lot of times in the airports, and as you're traveling over there, people are ruder than they are in the States, right? So like people will like, I don't say like overtly push you, but people tend to be less patient. They are, you know, when they call the airport, the boarding zones, people don't just ignore it and they all just get on. So a lot of times people seem ruder. It's like being, it's, I'd say it's, I, I'm from New York state area. So I'm not from the city, but I've obviously I've been to the city a lot of times from Long Island. I'm from, I grew up in Long Island. People are, compared to the Midwest where I live now, people are ruder in New York than they are in the Midwest. And then I would say people in the Middle East at the airports and stuff like that are ruder than they are in New York City, from my experience in New York City. However, once you get on the ground and we are in like the Tough Mudder bubble and like the Tough Mudder Arabia staff is like, we, you, essentially you become guests of the, of the staff and of that, of that, that's, that town. The hospitality I've received in the Middle East is always the best I've ex- experienced in my entire life. When I've traveled to Kuwait, when I've traveled to Lebanon, when I've traveled to uh, Qatar, and um, the, the they treat you like you're part of your family. It is it it's really nice, and I always feel bad when I go there because I feel like they're treating me better than I deserve to be treated. Um, so that's kind of what I, I'm expecting. Stuff very similar in Saudi Arabia. I think when we look from a Westerner perspective, we looked at this uh, event, we're like, well, there's no way they're, you look at all the prize money they're giving away, and they're like, there's no way they can make money off this. It's just, it's got to be a losing proposition. But I'll say this, the value of holding the largest prize purse event in OCR history and making a big spectacle out of it, and the, like, the second, third order benefits and, you know, additional sponsors they can get to support the brand, um, I don't think will make, I would guess it's still a loss, but I, I don't think it's as, as big of a loss as I think people think, monetarily that is. They're going to get a lot of, um, in the, when, we, in, when I work in the Middle East, we call it WASTA. It's like clout. It's like a pride value. You, you, essentially, you, you're like, like, you're a big shot because you've had, you have all these athletes from all over the world flying into your city and your country. Um, to represent and have like an an international event. It's kind of like hosting the Olympics, right? But like a smaller, completely scaled down version of the Olympics. Similar concept, um, similar publicity again, scaled down. But this is for OCR, right? When we look at Dubai, does Dubai need the world's tallest building? Do do they? I don't think they do. But they gain clout, they gain value, WASTA, whatever you want to call it, from having that on their property. Um, and you look at a lot of the other stuff, right? They have an indoor ski mountain, completely insane. I think the smart Middle Eastern countries are looking, you know, 50, 100 years into the future. And they're saying, well, you know, who knows how long the oil thing will continue to go, especially with, you know, people keep pushing electric. And I don't want to get into like political stuff on that, but th- there's other fuel sources that people are looking at. And I think the smarter Middle Eastern countries, which mostly like the Gulf Cooperation Council countries, uh, Qatar, Bahrain, Kuwait, um, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is in the Gulf Cooperation Council. But anyway, the smarter Middle Eastern countries are looking at a lot of these additional ways to bring in revenue, tourism, hosting events, etc. And I think this is just kind of another coin in that bank. All right, I'm going to get going. I think I ran my mouth enough. That was a lot longer than I was planning on talking. Make sure you follow OCR Buddy, follow the OCR Report, follow my social media, Ultra OCR Man. 
Check out TeamStrengthSpeed.com. Uh, we've pivoted hard. I want to say pivoted hard. We've added stuff for fighting, right? Tiga Tactics podcast is now. You can find the links on there for that. Uh, which, just like Strength and Speed publishes twice a month. You can find some religious content on there, which I think you'll find interesting, even if you're not this specific uh, branch of denomination of Christianity. Speaking of which, I'm super excited to go to Saudi Arabia because I've never been to that country, right? And the country is the entire, I mean, that's where Mecca and Medina is. So I'm not going to those two cities, but those are holy sites in Islam. And as someone who's studied uh, religions and been to the Middle East a couple of times, to me, that's kind of like pretty cool to be on in the same country as there are some of their holy sites. And I, I'm not Islamic. I'm not Muslim, you know, but I do think there's, I do think it's really cool to be in places that were part of history. Al-Ula is it's kind of in the center of the country. I know some people were like, oh, what about you know, terrorism and safety and blah, blah, blah. It is far from the border. It is well inland. And again, we're showing up as guests. I don't think, I don't think, I'm not really concerned about anything happening. That would be like avoiding Texas because there are parts in Northern Mexico that are bad. I just think that the distance is too far. The likelihood of something happening is too low. And again, we're guests of uh, Tough Mudder Arabia that's putting on this event. I am expecting the obstacles not to be quite as grand as some of the Tough Mudder we're used to, just because, again, different supply lines in the Middle East, different uh, obstacle builders, etc. So I'm expecting it to be a little bit more of a running race and a little bit less of like technical obstacle race, like kind of like we saw at World's Toughest Mudder this past year. I, I don't think it'll it'll be anywhere that close to technically difficult. I think it will favor the pure runner, um, and I think the the penalties will not be as bad. Um, you know, just giving that advantage to the guy who's just a very, very fast runner, which will be exciting. Again, Anthony Crunkle, John Albin, Mark Botras, Ryan Atkins, and then there's a whole bunch of guys. I mean, the, the list just keeps getting deeper, but those guys specifically, I remember being at World's Toughest Mudder, and I, I put down pretty good mileage, right? Usually I get around 90 miles at races at World's Toughest, but those names, Ryan Atkins, Mark Botras, Anthony Crunkle, uh, John Albin. I have specific memories of being lapped multiple times by them and being like, they are moving at an incredible pace, you know, in those first couple hours of the race. And if the race is only eight hours, they can push that super hard. So it's going to be exciting. I'm really excited to, I'm, I'm excited to be in the race, but then also to hear about what places people are in as the race is going on. So that should be pretty interesting. All right, check out all the social media coverage. I will see all of you in Saudi Arabia or on social media. And uh, yeah, this is going to be huge for our sport. And show some love. You know, like like anything you see about the event, watch it, please. Again, we see, you got to send the demand signal that this is important and we are paying attention and they want more eyes so they can continue to do this stuff in the future, right? This is good for everyone in the sport. The, the more money that comes into the sport, the more it trickles down to everyone essentially not even not just the elite athletes right but if there's more money coming in they can put more money into obstacles that you make the events better blah 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 blah, blah right triggers all the way down i will see all of you online have a great night slash week slash follow along and uh yeah it's gonna be awesome yeah